Hello, everyone. I'm Will Leverson, and this is Sports Spot Weekly. Today's episode, Once Bitten, Twice Shoved, Philly. This episode comes here in the aftermath of our, now at this point, last quarter third, <laughs> there we go, of the season. And uh, there's a few teams here that, of course, uh, have played well. Apart from how their seasons have started, uh, the Texans, as we had covered before, uh, still tracking along as where you'd expect a first-year rookie quarterback to be with the team that did not enter the year with any sort of expectation and still competing there in the first year for a playoff spot. So uh, we're not going to really uh, go too much in on the Texans or worry about it or as uh, one of our esteemed sort of personalities that we, you know, definitely like to uh, give their flowers to uh, Chris Broussard and Mr. Uh, Take Integrity, that I still am going to say uh, here that uh, that the Texans are where I thought they would be, not really high up on them, not bandwagoning on the great play of C.J. Stroud, but just able to really appreciate what that team has done. Uh, they're a court of coast. Of course, Coach Ryan's out there, man. So um, definitely the Texans there are a team to see grow. We'll see where they go. Same with the Jags. Uh, we haven't really covered the Jags on the show, uh, not for lack of attention. It's just that we, you know, that there's no other reason to cover a, you know, a, a a team that's already been tracking our direction. Once again, our show really isn't the esteem and the fandom of, of that. Uh, just sort of, uh, you know, but able to appreciate certainly the Jags. Uh, and the Colts still competing in there. You know, it's good to see uh, the AFC South really uh, turn it over from what we've seen in times past here. Of course, the Baltimore Ravens um, here are front leading uh, here, as we would expect a team uh, with the caliber quarterback of uh, Lamar Jackson and the roster build that the Ravens have been known for. And so it is of no surprise that they are performing well. The Buffalo Bills, um, things in Josh Allen that seem to be able to win for the Bills. Um, we'll see how that team plays. I am not never at any point where were we ever going to say that the Bills are going to be our pick for anything in the postseason there. And uh, given uh, their, uh, you know, some of their recent success in these past couple weeks here, once again, this quarter third is going to be telling. We're not going to step back away from our comment that the Bills are going to definitely have to be the best version of themselves there. And if that means that the best version of that team is finding ways to win in those spots there where the turnovers that may as come as they may will in some instances there uh, when it comes down to Josh Allen there. So we'll see where that team plays. Uh, I still am of the volition that the Kansas City Chiefs are the best when we uh, are, are, are Naruto shipping in, not Naruto shipping in, I'm sorry, NFL shipping in, NFL 24 season shipping in episode there, or Shippuden for some. Uh, 
we were able to sort of appreciate in the esteem of that 20th anniversary or so of Naruto, uh, the franchise there, and, and able to really appreciate that for our you know cross section of anime and and sports appreciators there. So uh, that was a really great episode there. Uh, but really, what we wanted to really set up in that was that the Kansas City Chiefs embody for those of us who are able to appreciate Naruto and the uh, essence of the will of fire and in a village and sort of this notion that you know uh, people in, in you know battle and 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 in those things are are bound by you know their skill and talent just some really great applications of a lot of great philosophical points the Naruto show is when it comes down to team building and all those things and and a team like the Chiefs and looking at even in their loss that team Okay, so this isn't some, once again, we appreciate the business, uh, front office aspect of sports, really our esteem is there for me. But I can appreciate a player like Patrick Mahomes in the moment where some other personalities would have said anything else in there. That wasn't an emotional or disregarding what happened. What somebody is saying is that in that moment, Something that in the history of the moment, see, that's what I'm saying. It's not what what is 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 uh, we're able to appreciate here on our show. And thank you so much for everyone uh, listening and sharing. Please, uh, we hope that uh, for the true esteem of the way that we're able to share information on the show, free and uh, of the you know sort of uh, unfanned uh, approach to sports storytelling, we're able to really appreciate the totality of what it is a team is to be. And the Kansas City Chiefs embody that Naruto will of fire. That team plays well for each other, and that team plays to win and to win and to win. To quote famous Coach Lombardi, of which... That Kansas City Chiefs team, this Kansas City Chiefs team certainly is playing well enough as a team. Make no mistake about it. The the Kansas City Chiefs may not be the most powerful team in the NFL, but they are certainly the best team that plays well for each other. That responds by Patrick Mahomes. And oh, by the way, let's get back to that. Wasn't just some emotional connection with the moment with his teammate. It was also saying, hey, if something is normally, you, so the receiver didn't, you know, check, how, we don't even know if that really didn't happen that way. We say that he didn't look over. You're talking about something in a moment with, if it's something that we check in with, we have equipment and things, okay? So when we're talking about the game and knowledge and things and what people are relying on was it not communicated to that player in that moment and with all the technology we have we can put we can mic somebody up but you mean to tell me there was no way to communicate in this day and age to that player somehow some digital means some way to tell him that did that really happen in that moment do you think that Patrick Mahomes from responsibility and all of that would have put that out any other kind of way other than that. So this is not some fanboy who just, you know, and that's not, that's not, once again, it's just to say that the information is free and clear of anyone's just esteem, you know, just because of their emotional connection with the team. 
I appreciate, you know, for the, the, the sake of a new media sports show host. You know, the eyes and me's on this show are not what we like, for sure. But in this moment as your show host, I must tell you that I could appreciate the response in Patrick Mahomes and adding that business aspect. Once again, that's why we say before these players, do you know before that happened that somehow in a digital age that there was no way that we have where to eliminate these kind of things? That could decide a game from a business aspect. Will, what are you saying, host? Guys, if the NFL came to me and said, hey, you know what? We actually appreciate your esteem for our business operations. Dude, can you do us a solid and do a little bit of your consulting, coaching, mentoring in this space to help us bring some type of equity in this moment? Dude, we have players mic'd up for anything. You mean to tell me there's no way to communicate that to a player so that that lessens that from being an outcome? As a matter of fact, and I know that there are collisions and things. I'm not saying to turn the game into laser tag, but I am saying with all sorts of technology that we have at motion capturing things, is it possible that we can even have a system built into that audible helmet interface and things as we're migrating toward the future in our digital age to have it where we have players notify that hey you're in a poor blocking position readjust readjust apart from listening to things in that moment this we're in a digital age we might as well go ahead and appreciate that we have people who communicate digitally with headphones and things throughout their young lives now. So the communication things won't be strange for the players. It'll only be strange for those not able to adapt. I don't want to say adapt, but not able to really uh, take on a sort of change like that. But it is well needed. We're in a digital age. I'm uh, talking about virtual reality helmets, augmented reality helmets. How about an integrated penalty awareness interface that somehow is able to notify players through motion capture technology that they are either in a poor tackling position or anything like that? Hey, over the line, over the line, over the line. Just so that, you know what? The penalty for the player is, is that they cannot engage in the play because they are in the misalignment. So if they don't know the play and are now getting droned out by a alert letting them know where they are, that there you go right there. That's it. You should have stayed engaged. If you weren't in any penalty area, you could have heard the play better. Now you missed your assignment. That's a little bit better of an outcome than the penalty there. And that is what the spirit not putting words in the man's mouth. Never do that. I'm a new media show host. We don't introduce news type elements in here. It's not that the news doesn't exist. Patrick Mahomes never said this out of the man's mouth. I am sharing it in the space of a show host with our business operations acumen truly that this is something that the NFL should healthily migrate to. We'll see where that goes. Patrick Mahomes isn't 
bad for saying what he said or irresponsible. It is a conversation that we have to have apart from that. Okay. So Kansas City is the best team that plays for themselves. And that play yesterday, the focus, the attention, the expectation that was built in for the moment that we will win and win and win. That is what happened. I am not going to bet against the Kansas City Chiefs. We might say don't bet against LeBron. Don't bet against Tom Brady. Do not bet. Do not put your money against it. I don't care how many uh, flash in a vacuum that the Kansas City Chiefs may lose football games. And for the sake of take integrity uh, there, I will stand by my first look, no look pass preseason Super Bowl pick Broncos versus Cowboys. We'll see where that goes. Broncos are playing well now. In that division, the Broncos are playing right now. They have the better team. They do. You know, I know Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey and Chris Jones, but just the way that that Denver Broncos team is set up, and that was on evidence yesterday also, that team is playing well after, after having to answer some questions. So we'll see where that goes. Hats off to that team and that organization. Once again, we have that episode out there uh, where we cover uh, there uh, for the sake of the show. We're just, but it is out there, our coverage there uh, of the Denver Broncos and their decision making, the Walton Pinner ownership group, why it makes sense, all that good stuff there. Uh, great way that that has been uh, brought some uh, immediate results for that commitment to team building there from the ownership group. So hats off to the Denver Broncos for playing strong. This is an important quarter third of the season for these Denver Broncos. They are the better team right now in the AFC West. They are just not the best team. And then that brings us to the San Francisco 49ers who in that same NFL 24 season, uh, Shapudin, we covered as the 49ers are the NFL's Otsutsuki. They are the most powerful, make no mistake about it. Others are also rightfully powerful. Look at the Eagles, look at the Cowboys. Look at the Chiefs. My goodness. And the Texans. But the 49ers are the most powerful team in the NFL. There are other teams that also have great looks, and obviously we see teams win. Somehow, the Vikings were able to win. <laughs> we had, we had, or the Twins. I don't know if it was the Vikings or the Twins on Sunday, but they were able to uh, pull out the uh, W there at three runs there on the day. Uh, there, uh, uh, no home runs, just a couple base hits and a stolen base. Uh, there, someone stole home. They got three point. I mean, three runs there. <laughs> no, the, the Vikings were. That was a that was a game there. Once again, we didn't we didn't cover the Vikings or the Raiders or have any expectations or even on the next subject there. Apart from the 49ers still tracking along. I don't think that it's an inevitability that they will meet the Ravens should the Chiefs find their way into the playoffs. 
The reason why I say this is this, and I'm not going back, but you know, as far as history and things matter, Eli Manning probably was on no one's high list of being able to win in the Super Bowl, let alone get to one. And this dude put it on Tom Brady twice. To be the man, you got to beat the man. He did it twice. So when Eli Manning makes it to the Hall of Fame, man, I hope, uh, you know, what? I, I want to be there for that Hall of Fame uh, ceremony uh, there truly to see Eli um, there. Is he already in the Hall of Fame? I'm sorry if Eli is already in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I'm sorry, Eli, but uh, uh, it's uh, one of those things that, no, really, man, it's, a, it's an awesome story for sure. But what we are seeing, though, man, out of the commitment that was also made there in the ownership of the 49ers to obtain, if, if that's the right word, but really the, uh, the hiring of the GM there, John Lynch, and the team to be able to capitalize. There we are. I'm sorry. It's just, it's an awesome thing to see what happened out there in the 40, for the 49ers in the aftermath of having to answer some questions that no other team has had to bear the weight of what occurred in the aftermath of the police um, uh, extrajudicial killings of unarmed persons. Not just persons of color. That's the thing. That's not to whitewash over something. I um, it, it, It's just one of those things where the 49ers had to deal with, and it's not deal with, but you weren't the 49ers if you didn't have Colin Kaepernick on your team and having to have that responsibility and how does your team move forward after having to move off of your quarterback? Not, you know, you know, the man. And to be able to find the direction after that and to have a whole new team, you know, that that's it's a whole new team uh, and have answered questions differently. And here we are with the 49ers yet again, uh, here in this, if there was a, if there was a football, if, if there was an equivalent to what the 49ers have, it would be similar to what we've seen in the NBA's Miami Heat, where uh, able to have multiple championship appearing teams have won some uh, when it comes to, with respect to San Francisco and the, of course, uh, Super Bowls with Steve Young and Joe Montana. Uh, and of course, their appearance with Colin Kaepernick, uh, the appearance here with. Um, oh, well, uh, well, well, uh, <laughs> well, we'll see soon with Brock Purdy, uh, but it's just really something to really see how that team has managed to really at this point, I mean, all of the acquisitions that they have, the uh, now as uh, Chef RG3, shout out, has, um, you know, put as the Avengers there, just that assorted team of talent truly 
on a almost like if there was like one of those animes, we talk about anime in just a cross section. The 49ers are like a team in like a football anime show where these their players are just these. I mean, even the story of Brock Purdy, it's an anime story, man. It, you know, he's literally the one no one thought of that, you know, the, the, the least the least available and looked at person ends up having these great powers. It's an anime story. And, 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 and for sure, um, the, the 49ers are the most powerful. But and the Cowboys are playing well. Dak Prescott is playing well. They have overcome their Philly Eagles um, crawl. Right now, the Dallas Cowboys are writing their own history, their own destiny. These Cowboys, as Hall of Famer Michael Irvin have put it, it's a different batch. You know, the efforts that are being seen that is something that is unprecedented for that team. And I can I can definitely respect the esteem and, and that I would definitely say that those Michael Irvin Cowboys of championship is not just the dominance, it's the attainment, the reappearance, and the personality. Is this a Dallas Cowboys era of NFC football? That would be great to see. Two Super Bowls, two Super Bowls is what this Cowboys team is capable of. I would it would definitely be a great thing to see the Cowboys, you know, and, and, and that's the other sort of pick when it comes down to you know how we look at our Super Bowl. Is it you know, no, it's one of those things where I, I, we like to, you know, the, when the teams make it to the Super Bowl, they do have corollary sort of paths. I mean, each team is unique, but both but each team kind of got there the same way. Uh, or I shouldn't say the same way, but really the, the the same outcome happened. Each team made it there, but you always have teams that are like a mirror of each other. The Ravens and Giants teams were not two offensive juggernauts in their day when they met in that Super Bowl. They were defensive teams. That's what they were. The Ravens was an all-time defense. That year's Giants team wasn't half bad. Okay? So you have... And when we look at the two Super Bowls that we were talking about between Eli and Tom Brady. Eli and Tom Brady. The person that's thought of as being the greatest and somebody who wasn't even considered like that. But Tom Brady did not beat Eli Manning two times. Tom Brady never beat Eli Manning. So when it comes down to what these Cowboys are doing, the reason why and once again, they are a big team. A lot of people cover them. It's not for the lack of knowledge or esteem for the team. There's just a lot of football out there, too. And the Cowboys have now arrived at this spot. But do you know what the Cowboys have to do? They're going to have to beat the most powerful team. And just as an anime-esque you know, character. They have not shown the most powerful characters that they're able to beat them. So the Cowboys, yet building in their power, will have to face the most powerful team. The Cowboys are an all-time historic tear. 
The only other person that's done that is Giannis Antetokounmpo. So I would have to say is that from what we're seeing from this Cowboys team, they only have one more headband to get. And that is they have to get the number two headband. They have to get the number two headband. And right now, the number two headband belongs in the NFC right now. Belongs to the 49ers. So until the Cowboys beat the 49ers, there is no Cowboys Super Bowl team. There is only the most powerful team in the NFL. And when that Leads us to once bitten, twice shoved, Philly. The Philadelphia Eagles with Jalen Hurts, their coach Nick Sirianni, their team's acquisitions and and what they have lost over time in their pursuit of maintaining the number two headband is what the Eagles did. The number two, they, they were able to challenge last year the best team, team, in the league, the Kansas City Chiefs, they lost. And in that pursuit of the number two headband, man, now they find themselves with Jalen Hurts, with Nick Sirianni, with a defensive identity intact. When it comes down to defensive line play, yet in the acquisition of of their status there as the presumptive second best team in the league entering this year, there are some players in acquisition, just what happens with any team that they are not able to enjoy at this point of their quest to get back to the Super Bowl. And that does matter for a team that has had to make up a lot to maintain its championship pursuit. So right now, the Philadelphia Eagles, all of the thing that we're able to appreciate about the Philly show or the brotherly show, I call it the Philly shove, just like you got the Philly shell. There's the Philly shove. Necessity is the mother of all inventions. It's not just some tired philosophical diatribe or some uh, some some weird uh, quasi dogmatic principle, man. No, true. The Philly shove. The Reliance on it in the short yardage situations. The discipline to have to do it well. That is because of the inability to manufacture or otherwise obtain those same yards through other play call. If it were possible, we wouldn't see the Philly shove as much as we do. It's not as for the sake of a, in the NFL, we'll have to answer it. We'll see. But I don't think at this point, because 
I don't think that the NFL will address the status, the true status of the Philly shove as a NFL move, an NFL football move as opposed to just a legal, you know, sort of through the application of pad alignment and such that the NFL deems that it's not, you know, that it doesn't put players in, the, in an undue uh, sort of safety thing. But we're asking an entity that already really hasn't shown that it's the greatest at being able to appreciate that responsibility. So I'm not going to say that the NFL should look like it to know. No, no. What we're saying is, is that the reason that we see it. Okay, Will, you're a front office dude. You're not a player. Uh, you're right. I am not a player. I am not a coach. I have only got coached Pee Wee football in Florida, which is like college, you know, coaching middle school or maybe freshman, you know, in high school, pretty much in Florida, pretty much at 12 and 13, smaller 13 year old, 14 year old uh, age group there where you got some big boys playing in between 11 and 12. So you got some, uh, 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 you know, just. Different application, but far be it be beyond me to say that I, you know, I, I I understand a player's perspective on on the Philly shove or a coach's perspective on. But I am telling you that if I'm sitting up in the front office and I'm looking at and I have some and like an inkling of sports acumen, we are not doing the Philly shove just simply because it works. We're doing it because we don't have the way in personnel to get that done any other kind of way. Reason being is that that you shouldn't have to rely on that sort of scheming to get it done. So we'll we'll just say that is what I'm sitting in the front office. So we got to find a way that we don't become predictable in situations. And that the expectation isn't something, the reliance on something. Uh, just, be, you know, it, 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 it's, it's, it's one of those things that, man, uh, you just don't want to see that happen so much uh, to where it's not only, you know, some little trendy buzzword or tagline for the time being. You know, it's one of those things where uh, the Philly shove is. I, what, I, what the Philadelphia Eagles are going to maybe have to take a look at, especially this season here, off season. Um, let's see here. So they should place, and we'll take a look maybe uh, as we get closer toward draft day. You know, because uh, we don't do like all the, you know, take an eye out on this player and all that. Uh, in their play calling, they have Jalen Hurts, who, you know, I would say offensive line, definitely. Well, their offensive line is one. So they do have an aging line, offensive line, and it is going to be important that the team finds some youth there to be able to really take things in a different direction and blocking and things. Um, Jalen Hurts has already proven that he's a 
fairly decent quarterback, but you're going to have to create something offensively uh, to where you, you're you're going to get to have to get the receivers to do it. And we know that defensively, okay, is it scheming? Is it player availability? Is it injury? Could be a lot of different things there, but those are also going to have to be addressed in the offseason. Uh, they're going to have to find a way to be more of a uh, – because right now it's an impact defense. That's what it is now. It's not really you know tailored to do anything. It's an impact defense. And so that team is going to have to find a way. It's not just getting better impact players. <laughs> That's what the acquisition of Leonard was about. Okay? That impact defense, the best version of that is an impact defense that is able to be bend but not break it. That is not what the defense is right now for the Philadelphia Eagles. So instead of the Philly shove, they need to go with more of a Philly shell-like approach to their defense. It needs to be a defense that is perfectly tailored for those impact situations where that team is able to either come away with a takeaway or able to capitalize and come up with the stop is what an impact, the best version of an impact defense has to be, must be. The Dallas Cowboys had an orientation similar to what we just different commitments for sure on the drafting of impact players and how they have filled into the roster and spark spots. So that is what has worked well for uh, the Cowboys to arrive at the point where they are now. See, that's the difference. Philadelphia in there, they have won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles, had expectations still there with Carson Wentz a bit. Now they have Jalen Hurts, have arrived at a Super Bowl, and now they have the expectation. And the same thing with Donovan McNabb. You know, he had Andy Reid and Terrell, Terrell Owens. Uh, so uh, it's just the, the Philly's going to have to. And I'm not sure, like I said, I'm not sure if it's capable in the draft. In these years, I think some of the better defensive drafts for what Philly needs have been in the past two to three seasons, really three, really about between the last three seasons have been great defensively. I think these next couple drafts will be where you're as far as finding a receiver. But the but Philly needs playmakers on offense able to. Be the best version of an impact offense. There you go. They're, they're an impact team is what the Philadelphia Eagles are. But they need to have an orientation more toward the Philly shell. Have a impact defense. The best bend but don't break defense. What Dallas has is an overpowering defense. Dallas has got – if you want to talk about necessity and – and, and, you know, and, and arms races and that sort of thing. It's an arms race in the NFC between Dallas and the 49ers. It's an arms race. And that, I know Dak is playing well. 
But that defense, man, that is a that is an overpowering defense. See, that's not Dallas does not have a bend but don't break defense. That's not what they have there. Now, as far as all-time defense, I say this Dallas Cowboys is some top 15. Somewhere top 15. Uh, you can pick 15 years of football that you've seen. This Dallas defense is one of the best in 15 years. I can I can I will attest to that. Find a team in 15 years whose defense has been more powerful than this Dallas Cowboys defense. Not sure you're going to find them. Not sure you're going to find them, baby. But they have, they have had to have that commitment and Dak has had to play better in order for that to work. Because that offense, man, if you're not the Cowboys... Uh, they're going to put some points up on you, this, this 49ers team. And outside of injury, put it to you this way. I know that Dak Prescott right now is the lead in the MVP. I know he is. But here's the thing. As far as the most valuable quarterback in relation to their team, Dallas's overpowering defense overshadows that historic overshadows the wrong word that's a that's a that's a writer's word there and I do apologize a little bit of uh, there uh, but what we really want to say is this is that that Dallas defense is the fulcrum of that team's success. I won't say the keystone because the keystone to that is the synergy between Dak playing well and then overpowering defense. Anytime that's out of whack and, you know, even in, in, in respect to or regard to our NFL 24 season Shippuden, uh, uh, the, the, the sort of a spirit of that is that just like the balancing of Sage Chakra. It has to be in balance for you to be able to pull it off. And that's what the best version of what Dallas is doing now, in, 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 as opposed to what we're seeing from the impact team uh, that is the Philadelphia Eagles. They are not the best version of their impact selves. And that's why right now the Eagles, all elements and all of the necessity and everything that we're able to know of the Philly shove, but they need to reorient that team to be the best version of an impact team is what the Eagles are. They have an impact quarterback with Jalen Hurts who in any, in any game, give them 17 games, 17 plus what, about two, three, four, give them about 20 games. Oh, he can put, he can put a season up on you. That's the thing. As an impact quarterback, Jalen Hurts, uh, at any point can 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 have different phases of the game sort of happen to you depending on how impactful he's able to be, you know, in relation to what you're doing with your team. Jalen, facing Jalen Hurts is not like facing Lamar Jackson or even uh, Justin Fields. Well, why are you putting Justin just because he just won? No, Justin Fields is a great athletic quarterback, dude. He really is. He's a very, 
Man, he's everything of what we would think that Kyler Murray should be in an ability to actually still be playing in an NFL as opposed to hurt. So not, I would say that between the two, I'd rather have Justin Fields and Kyler Murray. Yep, sure would. Justin Fields has had to play through the adversity. It's not, oh, Chicago's a tough town. And no, that's not it. But having to endure the slings of, you know, what it, what comes with, you know, playing in an already unforgiving situation by being the Chicago Bears quarterback and then actually being good at something. So, you know, far be it be beyond me to say, you know, that Justin Fields doesn't deserve to be mentioned in the same breath as a athletic impact type player. I mean, Lamar Jackson is not an impact. He's a man. He's a great man. That dude's a great athlete. I have never seen, I'm telling you, with my eyes, man. I saw, man, I was watching the game. Me and my daughter's watching that Philadelphia Eagles game with Michael Vick. Me and my daughter watched the game. She was about three years old, I think, three or four, somewhere in there, man. Okay? She was sitting there with her dad. He was watching that game. And it was crazy to watch and see um, Michael Vick play to that level, man. But that, what we see from Lamar Jackson is the only other sport where what Lamar Jackson does that you can really physically impose yourself is basketball. Lamar Jackson and his ability, he's like, you know, we talk about he he he's he's not even like he's like a a, a legendary signing, man. It, it, it's, he's like he's like Jiraiya or Orochimaru, man, is what and more Rochimaru, that's who, that's who Lamar Jackson is in our NFL Shaputin. Lamar Jackson is a Rochimaru. His skills are unparalleled. The only person that can pull off the things he can pull off is Lamar Jackson. This guy has the ability to physically impose and to get. I you just don't see it in football. Football is scheme, and the guy throws into a window and all of that. It's like with Lamar. And I wonder I, if I could get the interview with Lamar Jackson, I would have to ask him, when you're out there playing, it's not like a video game, but it's more akin to the Matrix. Are you realistically just kind of picking like where, like where you want to go and not will it, but it's just different with that guy I'm telling you. Now, I'm not going to sit up here and say Lamar Jackson is the best quarterback ever. But he is probably in the conversation with the top five NFL athletes ever. We got Lamar Jackson, um, Lawrence Taylor, I can uh, Barry Sanders, uh, Bruce Smith, and Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah. For real. And that's not, you know, just to try to have some shock value. And that's not to have some top five list. My top five. I just randomly named off five of the best athletes that I'm aware of that I've seen. I know Reggie White. Actually, you know what? I flip out Bruce. I flip out Bruce Smith for Reggie White. I flip Bruce. I flip those two. Yep. So we got Lamar, Reggie White, um, Barry Sanders, Lawrence Taylor, 
and Tom Brady. That's it. So for me, you know, not that's it, but 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 but, but seriously, I, I can't really name someone else in that group. Uh, and I've never really seen it happen. Like, and so Will, so you put the Ravens in your mid pack here as we're getting ready to close. You know, once bitten, twice shoved, and but. Uh, it, it's that Lamar is like we'll and we'll stand by it until we're no longer able to say it in sports. But uh, the 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 true travesty in our sports time, our, our sports Marvel what if scenario. Lamar Jackson. What if Lamar is like Ultron? Ultron gets the Infinity Gauntlet. Kyle Shanahan and Lamar Jackson, our quarterback and coach. That. Is, is the NFL Marvel what if. But uh, thank you all so much for listening. It's been a great uh, episode. Being appreciate once bitten, twice shoved. Philly, please listen, like, and share. And as always, please be safe and please have a safe holiday.